Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. However, wherever, whenever you're listening, this is the Root for Wisconsin show, episode 143, coming at you from the Riverwood Gallery Studio in De Pere, Wisconsin. I'm host producer Eric Fisher. Joining me this week, we've got my former college roommate, Dylan Tritt. Dylan, how are you doing this week? I'm doing all right. Glad to hear that. Uh, no Sean this week, putting in the carpet in his new house. Uh, no Justin this week, as he is solo on the parenting. Three kids, all by himself right now. He's not completely solo, just just for right now. I should clarify. Don't want to start any any rumors in the small towns. Uh, no Shauna, she's busy tutoring, and Ramsey is working as hard as ever. So just me and Dylan tonight. With that in mind, let's get into the episode itself. We start off with talking about our friends over at Ragin' Pro Wrestling, RPW, where they have their event this Saturday night at the Watering Hole in Green Bay. And it is confirmed that myself and Ramsey will be in attendance. Uh, possible appearance from Secretary Shauna and another friend of ours who will be in attendance as well. So that is on Saturday, February 10th. You can get tickets are still available rpwprowrestling.com. Look sharp in the Fox River Mall as well as at the Watering Hole itself. Tickets, like I said, they are available for RPW Redemption 3. And you're not going to want to miss it. A loaded card. Absolute blast it's going to be. Cannot wait to be in attendance. We also have another event that uh, Ramsey and I are heading to on Friday night. And that is the Hybrid Wrestling Entertainment here in Green Bay as well. That one is at, excuse me, at Badger State Brewing in Green Bay in the Stadium District. Again, an absolutely loaded card. Tickets are available for that one as well. You can go to ticketsource.us hash or slash hybrid wrestling for those tickets. And they're also available at the door. Um, pre-show doors will open at 6.30 for that one. Pre-show at 7.10. And the main card starting at 7.30. So two nights of wrestling here in Green Bay, Wisconsin. You're not going to want to miss out. It is going to be an absolute blast. With that said, let's get into the episode itself. And we start off with what we always started off, and that is talking about what we had rooted for in the past week, talking about our positives. And Dylan, I'll let you start first. Yeah, I'm going to go with um, <clears throat> Green Bay native Kevin Harlan and his daughter Olivia, who happens to be the wife of Wisconsin basketball alumni Sam Decker, covering the Super Bowl this upcoming weekend. Is that the first father-daughter team to cover it Super Bowl? Is. I have to imagine so, huh? It is. I think that's why it's a big deal. That is incredible. Not just all the Wisconsin ties to it, but uh, right. for sure two broadcasting uh, icons currently, and including Kevin mm-hmm. Harlan, who is one of the best in the business. And, you know, if you hear his voice, it's a huge game. That's why he's called mm-hmm. the Super Bowl. So yep. that is this weekend. That's an awesome story. I'm going to stick for my route for in the broadcasting sphere and just talking about a little selfishly, but talking about the incredible high school sports in this area that I get to cover. 
Um, had an incredible game last night. That was the basketball at Kiwani um, in Packerland Conference play. And the game came down to the wire. Absolutely electric atmosphere. Um, a three-point shot with 35 seconds left, I believe, uh, put Sevastopol up for the good. It was a back-and-forth game, defensive battle among two top teams in that conference. Sevastopol, you can say with an upset, they had revenged a loss from earlier in the season against Kiwani and creating a three-way tie atop that Packerland conference with Sevastopol and Kiwani, both part of that. And, of course, our very own Justin Dahl's O'Connell girls basketball team as well, also mm-hmm. in that three-way tie. So, again, just it's incredible the things and the, and the games I get to cover. Uh, there's high, great high school basketball on the boys' and girls' side everywhere. A uh, little bit bummed that I have to cover a Green Bay game tomorrow for my other radio job. Uh, otherwise, I would be going to Algoma to see Junior from Southern Door, Drew Doust, get his 2,000th point um, as a junior, which the scoring record for the state held by Anthony Peeper very much within reach for him in the next rest of the season and next year as well. Right. So uh, Drew Doust seven points away to get 2,000 points as a high school athlete. That's big. That's a big number. So with that in mind, uh, we go from the positives to the negatives. And I'm going to start on this one, Dylan, because I have two. And the first one I have is currently going to be the WWE. Now, Mm -hmm. as mentioned here at the top of the show, we always talk about our friends at Rage and Pro Wrestling and now Hybrid Wrestling Entertainment as well. There's incredible wrestling action everywhere in the in the US right now. Wrestling is probably at its best point that it has been in maybe the last 10 years, if not longer than that. You could argue since the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, um, I, as some people may be aware, I'm not sure if you are, two weeks ago, there was the Royal Rumble. Uh, one of the most iconic events. It's one of the top four, like the big four Grand Slam pay-per-views. Right. That WWE does are premium live events. Now they're not technically pay-per-views because they're all through Peacock. Um, but it's one of their big four. They have probably about 10 or 12 throughout the year. But mm-hmm. this is one of the core four. And with this one, the winner of the Royal Rumble match gets a guaranteed championship match of their choosing at WrestleMania. And it's an incredible match. 30 people enter at any point, 90 second intervals. Mm-hmm. And they enter, like I said, those 90 second intervals. And you have to go over the top rope to win the match or to lose the match. If the last person standing after all 29 competitors are out of the ring, uh, wins that match and again goes on to headline WrestleMania. So with that in mind, Cody Rhodes, the son of Dusty Rhodes, the great Dusty Rhodes, the American dream, mm-hmm. won the second straight Royal Rumble, uh, looking to avenge his loss at WrestleMania 39 last year to Roman Reigns. Uh, he lo- wins it again this year, becomes just the third person ever to win back-to-back Royal Rumbles. The other three, Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, Shawn Michaels, and I believe... 
Bret Hart might be in there. I can't remember who the other, the third one is. But so three people to win. No, it might be Hulk Hogan. I'm thinking it's Hulk Hogan, not um, Bret Hart. But so just the fourth person ever do it. Incredible feat. And build up towards WrestleMania. All eyes and all signs pointed to Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns, two of the biggest names in the wrestling world as we speak. And mm-hmm. after Monday Night Raw, uh, the night or two nights after the Royal Rumble, it was a little confusing because the believed competitor for the other top title was CM Punk. And it was believed that he would be going after Seth Rollins, who, again, like I said, the other type, main title competitor. Uh, Seth or CM Punk gets injured in the Royal Rumble, and plans have to kind of change a little bit. So why this is my noogie, though, is it seems like the belief of where they're pushing the story to is that The Rock is going to come out of retirement now to face Roman Reigns, who is on a long title reign, over three years, approaching the third longest world title reign in WWE history, uh, which would be this summer. He would take down Hulk Hogan's record if he gets past SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. And a couple of things here. And again, this is talking about, you know, it's 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 fixed TV. It's scripted TV. So I guess. Right. You know, it's a little it feels a little, you know, in that aspect, it feels a little silly to com- complain about it. But or to have it be a noogie. But it's just such a blatant change for the sake of a change. And just to keep, it seems like they're going to now keep uh, Roman Reigns with the title because The Rock is not a full-time competitor. Neither is Roman Reigns, for that matter. Roman Reigns works about 12 weeks a year as opposed to, um, you know, what a lot of these guys are running 200 days of travel and work and all that. Uh, Roman Reigns probably works about 15 events a year. Two weeks a year, 12 weeks a year. Right. And why it's it's noogie worthy is that the story that they've been telling really for the last now going on two years now has been the return of Cody Rhodes to WWE to go after the belt that his father, Dusty Rhodes, the American Mm -hmm. dream never got to hold um, as his own. It's I mean, it's a whole there's a lot to it, but it really just seems like they rushed a, a match because CM Punk got hurt and they took Cody Rhodes out of the main event. Um, mm-hmm. And over the weekend, hashtag we want Cody trended nationwide, was the number one trend in the world. It was the trend I, for 72 hours. I did see that, yes. And also the uh, YouTube video of The Rock making his entrance back on Friday Night SmackDown was one of the most disliked YouTube videos of all time. Really? Uh, over 600,000 dislikes. Wow. Because of how passionate the fan base is about the story. Now, again, it's scripted, it's predetermined, whatever you want to say. Mm-hmm. But now it, there's rumors coming out that maybe this is all just a work, where it was all just to, to mess with people. Um, and even rumors of WWE being the ones to pass out hashtag. We want Cody signs on Monday night raw this last week. 
Mm-hmm. So the whole thing, it just it totally kills all of the momentum going into WrestleMania. It totally the one of the best times of year on TV as a wrestling fan is the time from the Royal Rumble to WrestleMania. There's incredible stories told. There's incredible action in the ring, incredible setups, all that stuff, and just it all seems just flat and for naught if this ends up being the case. So that's my big noogie. Um, I also did that's want. A big to, <laughs> I I also did want to go on and talk about the hypocritical nature of the NFL not allowing their players who are playing in the Super Bowl to gamble while out in Las Vegas. And sports betting is one thing, but they can't even play slots. Right. What's why? Why can't they just sit and throw a twenty in? Right. And again, I get the nature. I get probably wouldn't be a bad, a good look on Super Bowl week if you got, you know, Travis Kelsey's set up at a slot machine for an hour to crack or whatever, playing blackjack all night. But who cares? Why is this a thing? Right. As exactly. long as you're not sports betting. And even that, it, it's a whole different thing. But you're going to police these rules while also having how many numerous official gambling sponsors the NFL media hospitality area has slot machines in it, like NFL themed slot machines in it, but the players mm-hmm. are the only ones. I mean, the NFL is literally bragging about gambling, sports gambling, embracing the whole Vegas thing, but right. the players can't use it yeah, until it after the game. It's, it just seems odd. Hypocritical is what I'm going to use on I that agree. word. I would agree. All right, so that is my second noogie. Dylan, what do you got for us this week? I'm going to go with the lazy designs of the 2024 MLB spring training hats. Really? I know you were a little hot about this earlier, too. I was. I I cooled down a little bit just because I think there was bigger things to talk about for myself, but I I was very... I was very I'm I'm a huge uniform guy and like a a look it's guy. Part of the game. It really is. And I will say, I will caveat this with MLB also released their batting practice hats, which in years past they were the same mm-hmm. thing. Uh the Brewers batting practice helmet or hat is incredible. I love the batting practice look. The the spring training look is downright awful. And it's downright awful for just about every team. I'm going to pull up these batting practice hats. I haven't seen those yet. Uh, the Brewers, so the, I'll, I'll paint the picture here on both these hats. So, I mean, if, if you're listening to this, go ahead, look them up. Um, the spring training hat for the Brewers is the balling glove logo set on a yellow hat, all yellow fabric with a blue brim. And then the spring training 24 logo on, on the side panel. Every, like I said, every single one of these is just downright awful, save for maybe yeah, the, one or two. I don't uh, see any of them that really. I don't hate the me. Toronto Blue Jays one. That's the only one. The Texas Ranger one's not awful, but every single one of these is just, I think you said it's it lazy. best. It's lazy, it's uninspired. They're just odd. Now, like I said, to counter that, though, 
the Brewers batting practice hat, I think is fire. It's like a teal blue, or like it's a very light blue with mm-hmm. the old school Barrel Man logo. Yeah, you know, in a nice blue brim as well, kind of like the retro, um, lighter dark blue, I guess, for lack of a better way of saying it, but kind of like the retro, the 1980 base blue set on the sky blue material of the hat. Right. They at least got a little creative with it. They just put their, but you know, even it, it doesn't really stick out to me. Like it's not a hat that makes me go, I need that, you know? I I kind of I'm kind of at that point with the batting practice hat. That's probably the most likable one that they've had for like an alternate hat in the recent years. There's not many of these hats that even have, you know, like a color on a color. Right. Like the Astros batting practice hat, they at least put some a little bit of thought and creativity into the color of the hats where the brewers it's just one color it's just light blue i love the logo on here the, the they do hat. switch it up like i said they do switch it up with the the brim color right the brim Slightly color is off the hat itself. from what the hat itself is which i do i do like and at least milwaukee did that with their spring training hat where the, the hat part is yellow and the brim is that dark the darker navy blue Right, matches the the uh, uh, the logo. Right, it makes it look a little bit better, but throw a little creativity in there. I mean, I get you're trying to be cheap and you don't want to make too or spend too much money on it, but come on. Well, right, and that's that's the the annoying thing about the whole thing is, you know, I would say as a whole, hats and like the sideline hats in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Have drastically gone downhill the last two, three years. Oh yeah, and with this being the case, to add in the the batting practice hats and the the spring training hats, just again very uninspired. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm less than impressed. All right, any other nuggies you got for us this week, Dylan? No, no, I'm pretty positive week, all things considered. Yeah, yeah. Well, until we get start getting into the sports. <laughs> All right. So with that, that leads us to our Wisconsin web story of the week. And honestly, a little bit of a dull week around the state. Um, never a bad thing. I will say that. No, not not dull in a bad way. That's for sure. With that said, I do have to. Our our story of the week isn't really even much of a story. It's more about a headline. Mm-hmm. And this headline comes from DoorCountyDailyNews.com, the site that I cover high school sports for. And this is at no fault. I want to be very clear. This is not even like making fun of the title. It just it definitely caught my attention. It got a click. Mm-hmm. And the headline of this story: Sturgeon Bay still waiting on Fleet Farm. <laughs> I'm waiting on a million dollars. You know, like. Obviously, the context of the story is that um, there has been approved sites. There's mm-hmm. it's it's a project that they've been working on for over a year, and still kind of waiting on some of the different pieces to all come together. 
So there is a lot actually to it. I, I'm not going to go into all the specifics because, you know, it's not the nature of our show to, to report on some rather mundane news. Right. But again, just the, the headline caught me and I was kind of trying to find a story for this and <laughs> Sturgeon Bay is still waiting on Fleet Farm. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, so, I'll give you that. Just a fun kind of quick hitter on that one. Uh, with that, Dylan, we jump into our world of sports. And usually I would ask you what you want to start with, but I'm going to tell you what we're starting with this time. Okay. Because this is something that it happened within an hour and a half of uh, us stopping recording. And we're going to talk yeah. about our Milwaukee Brewers. Um, because last week when we recorded, I thought things were great. Things were you know, we're looking at the Milwaukee Brewers. You know, you finally you got all your guys under contract for one more year on the arbitration end of things. You just signed Reese Hoskins, who is one of the bigger Brewers bats they've gone and got uh, in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Probably since he has money, Grandal. As at least in a free agent sense, uh, William Contreras probably more than than any other uh, mm-hmm. in terms of offseason acquisitions as a whole. But that was a trade, not a free agent. So with that said, when we recorded last Thursday, everything seemed great. I was happy. I was looking forward to the season, new managerial staff, everything great. Within an hour and a half, it might have even been an hour, old phone starts blowing up. ESPN, Bleach Report, The Athletic, MLB app. Brewers trade 2021 Cy Young winner Corbin Burns to Baltimore. The shock on my face when that news broke. I definitely, I think I said some bad words. (laughs) I invented some new words, maybe. I might have invented a new combination of those words. It just... The timing of it seemed odd, and Corbin Burns would actually go on and comment that as far as he knew, that it was going to be one kind of like a last dance type season. The whole goal was to go beat the Cubs because of Craig Council going to the Cubs, joining them in the offseason. It seemed like the team was retooled, ready to go for one more year, and then bam, out of nowhere, trading your mm-hmm. ace. This coming after the Brewers had already moved on from Brandon Woodruff after he was slated to miss most of, if not all of the season with a shoulder injury. And yeah, that's where we were sitting. We were, we were down one of our star pitchers who was arbitration eligible. Mm-hmm. Now we're down two. in the trade. They did go and get DL Hall, who's a pitcher and Joey Ortiz uh, for, a lot of Brewers fans, myself included, thought it felt a little bit light. It was, again, just the odd timing of things. Mm-hmm. You know, you're looking at a haul for two guys who are definitely MLB ready, but two guys who also don't have like definite roles mm-hmm. with their former club nor their current club. Uh, DL Hall. For those not really familiar with him, as most people probably aren't, and I'm probably one of the few people, at least that are on this show, that would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, D.L. Hall, big left-handed pitcher, 
Um, has worked as a starter and a bullpen arm at the minor league level. Kind of comps out to Brewers prospect Jacob Mizorowski, who does have elite stuff. I mean, some of the, the advanced metrics on what he can do is spin rate and all that kind of stuff. Very comparable to Jacob Mizorowski. From just the eye test, he looks like a left-handed Freddie Peralta. These aren't bad things. Those are very good things, mm-hmm. but you don't have a defined role for him because he doesn't have a defined role for, is he going to be a starter? Is he going to be a bullpen arm? Is he going to be a guy that maybe does both, like in, uh, Adrian Hauser had for a long time, where you know, mm-hmm. if you need a guy in a spot start, you know, get you three, four innings if need be, especially with the DH rule. He can go out and get a few innings. Uh, otherwise, you use him as like a, a one-inning guy where you just said, hey, let her rip. Throw as hard as you can for 10 to 15 pitches and get out of this thing, hopefully. Mm-hmm. So a lot of lot of kind of pieces with that. Uh, as for Ortiz, you know, you look at, if you're looking for a comp within the organization, you're looking at the glove of Bryce Terang. Bryce Terang is an elite level defender. Maybe a little bit better bat, but not a really good spot to put him. As of right now, you have Bryce Terang playing second base at, again, an incredible, a pretty high level, I would say. Uh, definitely missing things. You have an inconsistent bat, but that's just being a rookie. You have mm-hmm. Willie Adamas in his final year of team control this year. So, you know, that kind of begs the question, what's the outlook of this team now? You thought it was one thing. Uh, the team had taken almost all offseason to really define a role. Finally found one. And then within a week, switches the whole thing up, and you're back to looking for an identity. And then just to really complicate things and really just make all of us sit here and think, uh, Brewers go and sign pitcher Jacob Junis. Officially, deal went through today after a physical. And with him, it's a one-year, $7 million deal. Mm -hmm. Which then becomes a little odd because you're really only saving about $4 million or $5 million what you're paying Corbin Burns. I would... I mean, Jacob Junis is a fine pitcher, but he's not a Cy Young winner as of right now. So it's, again, just just odd timing on every move they've made. Uh, today, actually, right before we started recording, they did reportedly agree to terms as well with former Yankee, former um, San Diego Padre Gary Sanchez, a catcher, because the Brewers were needing a backup catcher. Uh, Gary Sanchez last season and splitting time with the Mets and the Padres hit for 217 batting average, 19 home runs, 47 RBIs, 52 hits uh, for his career. Hits about 225, 173 home runs, 582 hits uh, win or win above replacement of 14.9. He was 2.4 wins above replacement as a player last season, two-time all-star and a silver slugger winner. Um, so not a terrible player. You're taking on a flyer and somebody you can kind of hope to recapture some of the magic of his early Yankees years, those all-star, all-star years. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely a move, but it doesn't – it's still – everything that the Brewers have done all offseason, again, it's really lacked definition. Is it – are you contending for one more year and trying to win the division and see what happens if you can get into the playoffs? Are you 
trying to contend for a world title like they were 2018 and arguably 2019 prior to Christian Yelich getting hurt? Are you resetting everything? Because if that's the case, then there's even more confusion. I mean, yeah, you get Christian Yelich, but you still have a lot of pieces you can move if you're going to just reset and wait for prospects. The hiring of bench coach Pat Murphy to become your full-time manager, again, feels kind of like a, a short-term solution. I I just I don't know what this team is. It's starting to seem like they don't exactly know what they are. Right, and that's that's a very odd place for a franchise to be. A little over a week from spring training starting and 50 days from opening day. Right. There's a lot of talent still out there. Should they, you know, want to get a piece or two, whether it be some starting pitching, uh, there's a pretty a couple pretty big bats out there yet. So there, there is options to continue adding. But some of these decisions, again, they, they really got to be made. And until you really figure out what that role of your team is going to be, I don't know if the Brewers are even in contention to get any of these guys out there. If they're content with the guys in-house, um, like Tyler Black at third base, you're looking at, mm-hmm. Jake, like I said, Jacob Mizorowski, who's a pitching prospect, Robert Gosser, another pitching prospect, some of these other options out there, but it just... It lacks definition, and I think that is the worst place to be in sports, is to be in the middle. Well, right, and, you know, even attempting to put myself in the perspective of their players, it's like, you know, if I were one of them, I'd say, well, what do you really want of us now? Right. Because, you know, the whole, this whole offseason up until this point has been, here's where we're at, you know. One more run. Let's make a run at it. Let's, let's like you said earlier, let's beat this Cubs because of uh, Craig Council. And now it's like, okay, well, we just traded away our best pitcher. Right. Um, obviously, I'm saying this as a very surface level fan, but even when I when the news came across my phone, I was I was even confused. Um, you know, reading through some of the comments, it sounded like some people thought that it was a necessary thing. Um, that's that's you know. the flip side. And and again, that's kind of where we are as the Brewers. And one of the common arguments of, of being a Brewer fan is it, the timing of it seemed inevitable. Uh, Corbin Burns, like I said, he was on his last year of his team control, would have hit unrestricted free agency next season. Mm hmm. There was virtually no chance he was going to resign. The organization did a lot of damage to that relationship last offseason when they went to arbitration. And instead of agreeing, they argued over about $700,000. For those of you who don't, mm-hmm. and I don't know if Dylan, how familiar you are with the, the arbitration process, when you get certain guys, before they hit a certain level of MLB service time, they mm-hmm. are under team control. The team has exclusive rights to to negotiate with them mm-hmm. under that period. Uh, they can tender a contract. They're guaranteed to get a contract from that team. Mm-hmm. The last season, he had two more years of arbitration eligibility. He goes in. His team wants, I believe, eleven or 
pretty close to $12 million a year. One year removed from a Cy Young team just fell short of the playoffs. It it made sense. I, I mean, it's a very, that's still a discount, but it's also right about where an arbitration deal is going to be. Mm-hmm. The team comes back and they said, well, we want 11-1 or 11-2 or something like that. It, it came out to arguing about $700,000. It goes to arbitration. So if they can't come to an agreement by a certain deadline, if they can't come to a long-term extension in that timeline, they go to arbitration right before spring mm-hmm. training starts. Um, in arbitration, there's a third party there as well. The team will say, this is why we – or the player will say, or his agent or him – you know, in this case, Corbin Burns was in the meeting, which is never a good idea for the team anyway. Right. Um, Corbin Burns goes in the meeting, says, you know, I'm a Cy Young winner. I think I deserve this amount. I'm playing on, you know, a two-year contract, basically. Let's make something happen. And you're kind of operating and trying to negotiate in faith then at that point, too, in good faith, to work towards right. an extension as well. The team comes back. At that point, from the words of Corbin Burns, said, well, you're the reason we didn't go to the playoffs last year. Which definitely was an odd statement to make. Um, it yes. really felt like he was one of the few reasons they were even in contention at times, given how inconsistent the offense was that season, and especially this last season. Mm-hmm. So definitely some odd, you know, an odd situation. And like I said, you basically completely ruined the relationship last year. It healed a little bit throughout the season, and there was a lot more uh, discussion, communication. This also coming off of trading, you know, being in first place of the division and trading Josh Hader at the All Star or at the trade deadline the previous year, uh, mm-hmm. where they had really lost the clubhouse at that point, and then you tell your starting All Star pitcher that he's the reason you don't go to the playoffs. So there was no chance he was coming back after the season. So from that, from that angle, it makes sense to try to get whatever you can. And that's why the conversation of it being a light deal feels like it's more the conversation than it, you know, it happening because if, if you don't sign the deal or if you sign the deal and you don't sign an extension, you at least get a compensation pick in the following year's draft. So had Corbin Burns left this off season or this coming off season after the 2024 season, um, once he signs on, depending where he signs, they get a second round compensation pick. Mm-hmm. And so the draft pick they acquire ends up being pretty similar as well in that lens. So it's, it really, did it make sense from that perspective? Sure. But just, again, an ill-timed, odd-timed move. And then the the following moves, again, just, just don't line up with anything mm-hmm. going on. So that that's Brewer's talk. Um, really, that's the extent of it. Obviously, that was a pretty big story. But that is the extent of Brewer's talk. Yeah. Any any final thoughts on that, Dylan? You know, I I just I'm I'm hoping that they just get it together. I I don't want to make it seem like they don't know what they're doing. They probably know a hell of a lot more than what I would know. Um, but coming from a fan, especially like a service level fan, 
it leaves me saying, how do I know what to expect from this team if they don't really, if they don't seem like they know what they expect from this team, from themselves? Right. So I don't want to say I'm confused, but I'm not sure what to expect going forward. So I'm, I'm maintaining my my optimism, but I guess I guess we'll see what they do. All right, stay in the city, of Milwaukee, Milwaukee Bucks. Um, I believe are one in three under Doc Rivers as head coach. And Dylan, you're more the NBA guy than I am, especially at this juncture in the season. But tell us, tell us what's going on with Milwaukee Bucks. Well, their defense sucks. Um, you know, these last two games, and we talked about last week, they had a tough four-game stretch coming up. They did beat the Mavericks in Woo! Dallas, which was a great win, fantastic win. Uh, and then you go to Utah, and you drop that to a 500 team, 123-108. So, I mean, it wasn't even that close of a game. Um, you know, Giannis is killing it as usual. He used three rebounds shy of a triple-double, 13 assists, 33 points, seven rebounds. Um just going over that game real quick. They didn't have a Bucks didn't have a single starter that was positive as far as their plus minus is concerned, including Giannis. Um, Damian Lillard that game shot five of eighteen, one from eight, one of eight from three with twelve points. Not yeah. his most impressive outing. No, definitely not. No. Um, I'm a I'm a large proponent of Giannis being one of, if not the best players in the world. But he can't put the team on his back, you know. Uh, and then we go into Phoenix. Better team than the Jazz, but still very beatable. Uh, yet we did not. 114-106. We lose that one. Uh we had one starter that game. Uh, Damian Lillard did not play this game. Giannis with another big game, 34, 10, and six assists. He was plus one as far as plus minus is concerned. Also hurt the back a little bit. Definitely room for concern. Yes, yes. So we're, we're hoping that that is going to be a short-lived injury. But I don't think looking at he's listed as day today, probable for tomorrow's game against um, the Timberwolves. Actually, he's he's listed as day today with uh, patellar tendonitis in his right knee. Well, really, nothing to do with the back. Um, really? Yeah. Damian Lillard is listed as day today, questionable for Thursday's game with ankle. Brooke Lopez is going to be out for personal reasons, whatever those would be. Let's see. We Robin Lopez is Robin Lopez. Also, Robin Lopez is green. He's green lighted. He's green lighted. He's he's ready to go. 
interesting dynamic. Yes. We got Crowder and Payne listed as day-to-day, but also probable for the game. Chris Middleton is listed as out uh, ankle. Which is expected, given the ankle injury he suffered in that Phoenix Suns loss. Yeah, yeah, he's going to be out for a little while. That's okay. Um, I'd really like to see these guys get it together. You know, Doc Rivers has got to get these guys going on the defensive end. They could score, right? They have two very, they have two prolific scorers in the game right now with Giannis and Lillard. They can go out and drop 40, 50 on any, any given night they want to. Giannis is being very consistent with his scoring, just over 30 a game. You don't like seeing nights like Damian Lillard had at the Jazz scoring 12 points. Right. The kind of player he is, what you gave up for him, what you're paying him, you need more than 12 points out of him. So this this Timberwolves, they're going to be at Milwaukee on the 8th tomorrow. That's going to be a test. That is going to be a test. And they got a back-to-back, so they got Charlotte coming to town Friday night, both games at 7 p.m. <sighs> You know, who this game tomorrow is going to be more of a questionable one now because we don't really know who's going to play. Are they going to sit Giannis? Are they going to sit Lillard? Lopez is already out. Middleton's already out. Are they going to chalk this one up as an L and rest the guys that need rest? I hope they don't. I would like to see them go out and try to win. And then if I know anything about Giannis, is he's going to say, I'm not sitting if I don't have to. So, well, let me ask you this, Dylan. So, on top of this, mm-hmm. the NBA trade deadline is also tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Who are the Bucks looking at, and who could be on this roster? Not likely for tomorrow night. Like the 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 acquisition would go through tomorrow, but likely mm-hmm. wouldn't be playing tomorrow. But is there people we could say be saying goodbye to, and is there people that we could be saying hello to? I have seen rumors of a few of our guys being on the trading block. Those gentlemen are Pat Connaughton and Bobby Portis. Definitely interesting choices. Yes. I I don't... All I've seen is that all I've seen are trade rumors. I haven't seen anything in definitive, like here's who we're targeting, here's why we're targeting, but I have just seen amongst the Bucks crowd that Pat Connaughton and Bobby Portis are on the trade block there. I don't want to say they're actively shopping with those two, but they're out there. Well, here's here's the reality of, of that side of things, too, is... Mm-hmm. Given a lot of the trades the Bucks have made in years past, they don't have a lot of capital to mm-hmm. really make a lot of moves in that sense. Right. Um, at least in draft capital, I should say. So almost any move you're going to make is going to involve player pieces, right? Right. And I think if we're talking salary dumps, 
those are probably two of the more likely candidates. As bad, you know, as as much as it would suck to see Bobby Portis leave Milwaukee after everything he did to help earn the championship here in mm-hmm. twenty twenty one. That is part of the business. Um, yeah, it just it, is. It it would be incredibly interesting to look at a potential move of Portis for Andrew or Portis and Connaughton for that matter for Andrew Wiggins. That would be that would be interesting. Um, you know, he's he's a pretty dynamic player. He's he's going to be thirty years old. This upcoming season, I remember him because he was the number one or number two player. He was the number one pick. Uh, I'm saying, like in in, oh, in my high, high school, school class, him and Jabari Parker were sure. bouncing bouncing around between one and two. So, um, you know, I, he would be a good. I, I let me take that back. I think what you're, I think you really have to decide what you're going to do with Chris Middleton if you're going to target another small forward. Because obviously Chris Middleton is your starting small forward, and I don't think you would bench someone like Andrew Wiggins for Chris Middleton. So if you're going to target an Andrew Wiggins, you're, you're kind of in a predicament with Middleton. Are you going to shop him? Are you going to cut him? I mean, he's he's got a $30 million salary. I don't know what they'd offer for Andrew Wiggins, what they'd pay him. Um, but, you know, Chris Middleton, there's, he was rumored to be on the trading block earlier this year. So is he going to be part of a package? If you're targeting an Andrew Wiggins, I don't know. I'm going to say, so here here's where we're at, right? We are finally at the point of where you have to make a decision on the future of Chris Middleton for this season and and kind of going forward here. Yes. To be honest with you, given the current makeup of this team and dependent on what they think they can do in terms of spending capital with Dame, if he's coming Mm -hmm. back after this season. Mm Mm-hmm. I am content if they can make a deal happen with Chris Middleton involved. If that's what it takes to get a significant deal done, to find a player who fits the current scheme better, Mm -hmm. I think you definitely need to not write that off. You definitely need to explore that as an option. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I, I, I... I don't see the organization actively looking to move Middleton unless the deal is going to be, you know, it's going to be the right deal. I don't think they'd risk. Middleton's one of those. He's just, he's another Giannis where he just, he, he, he loves Milwaukee. He likes where he is. He's proud to wear the Milwaukee uniform. I don't think they'd move him just to move him. Right. And that's, that's where it really becomes an oddity of, of you'd have to get someone significant. And I think yeah. Andrew Wiggins is not that piece if you're going to move Middleton. No. And I'll, I'll be honest, I haven't seen any trade rumors involving Andrew Wiggins for the Bucks, so I don't know if you were just pulling that out of something. No, that is that is a legitimate one that even as of two hours ago from NBC Sports or Bay Area in California, mm-hmm. that 
Andrew Wiggins drawing Mavericks and Bucks trade interest. The Bucks have been linked to Andrew Wiggins for a number of weeks here, mm-hmm. building up tomorrow's deadline. So mm-hmm. it, it isn't something I'm just pulling out of my ass. Like this is documented here as we've gone along, but that's yeah. Uh, I, I don't think you're gonna. I don't think you're gonna make that trade unless it's going to significantly improve your roster. And I guess I don't, I'm not sure I, if I see Andrew Wiggins being that piece, like you, like you said, I don't, I'm not sure if I see that or not. Sure. Great player. I mean, he's a, he's a phenomenal basketball player. It's always going to be odd to me. The timing, I mean, Andrew Wiggins is going to forever be linked to LeBron James Mm. for the sign-in trade that brought LeBron James back to Cleveland Mm -hmm. and ended up winning them a championship in 2016. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it's just, they're always going to be linked. We never really got to see Wiggins in a Cleveland jersey. He's always been kind of bouncing around and and now for you know for his sake you know finding a home with the the warriors has been nothing short of awesome for him mhm but yeah definitely would be an odd piece to go grab this uh this off season or this trade deadline yeah i don't think i, I don't think i would be upset with the move if they made that trade i don't think i would be upset sure i would say andrew wiggins is a piece i don't think he's the piece i think he will help more than he'll hurt sure i i guess i just I don't see why necessarily. Uh, it would just be, it, I, I'd be a little bit confused. I, again, I wouldn't be disappointed. I think you could look at it for a number of reasons. Obviously, Andrew Wiggins is younger. Um, he's probably, you know, he's looking for a team. Longer. So gonna, yep, you're going to have him longer. He, he's going to be cheaper. No, I, I um, mean, so, like phys- physically longer. Oh yeah, he's bigger. Yeah, he's he's what six eight, six nine. His wingspan's got to be close to seven feet. Yes. Um, he's considerably more athletic. No offense, Chris Middleton, of course, but um, yeah, I, I mean, I I can see it, but I don't know if I necessarily understand it. Other than those those reasons that we just said, and they'll have to decide. You know, is that enough? I don't know. That's going to be on them. All right. And then any buyout candidates that we could be looking at joining Milwaukee as well, because that's that's the other route to acquire players mm-hmm. you know, this weekend here in this this upcoming days is teams make trades, dump salary, and then you buy them back or buy them out. Mm-hmm. And they become essentially free agents. And I know PJ Tucker Kind of one of those names, you know, was here for the championship run in 2021. Mm-hmm. 
definitely a name linked to Milwaukee as well. Uh, you know, some people believing the Bucks would have to dabble more in this market as opposed to the trade market. Mm-hmm. So I, I would tell people to keep your eyes out for PJ Tucker as well as I think if I can find anybody else. Um, yeah, I, I haven't seen anyone. Couple names I'm seeing: uh, Grant Williams, Chris Dunn, also kind of being floated around a little bit. But yeah, it's it's definitely been a very uh, Derek Rose. Oh wow! I named Derek uh, or Danny Green. Some of those names being floated around. Uh, Frank Kaminsky, former Badger as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So just a couple names to keep your eyes out for. Uh, with that, I guess perfect transition here to Badger basketball and college basketball as a whole. We'll look around the state of Wisconsin here real quick. Uh, Wisconsin Badgers on a two-game losing streak, falling to Nebraska last week and Purdue on Sunday. Um Took Nebraska to overtime, Purdue to the final the final minute of the game, falling short in both of those. Currently mm-hmm. trailing Michigan right now, 37-33. A little concerning a skid here for the Badgers. Badgers are an eight-and-a-half-point favorite coming into tonight's game. And just so far as I got the game on TV, just really haven't gotten it going mm-hmm. scoring-wise. I mean, they've matched Michigan's almost punch for punch. But they just don't, they haven't been able to seemingly make that one stretch to really get past them. Uh, Tyler Wall having another incredible game as he did on Sunday against Purdue. Mm -hmm. I would even add against Purdue that I think Wisconsin was in a great position to win that game. They schemed everything very well, just couldn't get over the hump, uh, get enough rebounds or stops to get the win. Caught that game on Sunday or not, Dylan? But I, I watched a little bit of the game on Sunday. Um, you know that's a that's a tough game. That should have been uh, if it wasn't game of the week, it should have been game of the week. But there was a lot of top ten matchups <clears throat> in the last last couple of weeks. Actually, I, I'm not disappointed at the loss. <clears throat> excuse me to Purdue. It was. <clears throat> That's a tough matchup. Zach Eady is is something. You know, what's he listed at? 7-4, I think. Something like that. I have no and idea. He's not, he's not built like Victor Wembanyama. He's he's uh he's a thick He's boy. a sturdy boy. Yeah. He's a he's a tree trunk looking dude. Um they just didn't really have any answer for him. Um more on the defensive end as far um is Eady's defensive end, I should say. I mean, he 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 blocked a fair amount of shots. Mm-hmm. Um, the game was winnable. 0 for 11 from three in the second half. That's not going to help your winning chances. No. Uh, it's still only a six-point loss to the number two team in the country. 
that has the pl- that has the best player in the in the country. I believe Zachy will win all six Player of the Year awards again this year. the The concerning one, the concerning game was the Nebraska game. Um, I understand that they were Nebraska was favored by a half point, whatever. Point and a half, an actually. Point. Was it? Uh, I, I mean, I it's still, it's still, you're still right. It, it's negligible a, at that it's point. It's a possession. We're we're up 18 in the second half. Right. And they blew that lead. That's concerning. Um, that you can't have. And now, obviously, they're losing currently to Michigan. So. It is a concerning skid. We went from first to tied for second. I'm not sure if Illinois has a tiebreaker there or not. I don't, I don't... believe that they've played head-to-head yet, so I I don't think they'd be yeah, they a tiebreaker yet. But that's going to be another game. Illinois is currently ranked number 10 in the country, mm-hmm. just ahead of Wisconsin. So it's going to be a good game coming up. We have a couple games to get our shit together here. Hopefully we can pull this one against Michigan. Ohio State should be an absolute walloping. But again, so should Michigan. Michigan's last place in the Big Ten. So we're, we're our upcoming games here are against the bottom of the Big Ten. The one Mich- positive, if you're looking for, and obviously when this episode gets released, we will have we'll know the final score. Mm-hmm. Michigan has been outscored. In their last 10 second halves. Yeah, so you hope that we make that 11. You gotta hope. Um, staying in the state of Wisconsin for college hoops, we look at Marquette. Uh, I have such a hard time following Marquette basketball. Yeah, they're so good. <laughs> but, the, you know, they're they're not as accessible to watch. The Big East, I mean, they're on Fox Sports here and there. Mm-hmm. But Marquette currently, if the season ended today, according to Joe Lunardi, would be a two seed. Mm-hmm. And would host number 15, Oakland, as the automatic qualifier out of the Horizon League. Which, again, I, I said this last week on the show, talking about automatic qualifiers and some of these conferences out there. I don't, I know that a lot of these these writers end up just kind of covering for the, you know, the, the main squad or the, the first place team in the league and green Bay only playing once last week. Uh, so they technically fall into a tie for first place and maybe even a half game back because of how the whole standings and whatnot go. So I get that that's where that comes from, but green Bay one, their only game last week, which was Wednesday against IUPUI, we covered that on last week's show and didn't do anything to hurt themselves. So a little curious on, on I guess, the rationale of putting Green Bay out of the automatic qualifier spot. If you could have three Wisconsin-based teams, so Joe Lunardi had Wisconsin at the three, Marquette at the two, and again, it would be Oakland as of right now in that 15 seed, but in theory, you could have all three Wisconsin based teams in the same regional in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, We're probably going to go ahead and uh, discount UW Milwaukee. I don't think they're getting in. 
Uh, UW Milwaukee currently sitting in fifth place in the league, only two and a half games back of the standings. Uh, really, it's a log jam between first place and like the eighth and ninth place teams. It's about four and a half games from Green Bay and Oakland tied at one, and then um, Robert Morris, who Green Bay plays tomorrow night. On the season, Robert Morris is four or five and seven in the league, nine and fourteen overall, but only four and a half games back in league standings. So, still, I guess not eliminated, still within punching mm-hmm. distance. It's it would take a long shot. Uh, Milwaukee at seven and five in the league, twelve and eleven overall, two and a half games back of the first place standings. So, definitely a, a crowded Horizon League. On the men's side. Mm-hmm. And on the women's side, the Green Bay Phoenix did fall to Cleveland State over the weekend. Convincingly. Uh, convincingly, due to a massive three-point barrage by Michaela Purdue from Cleveland State. It was an 86-63 win for the Vikings. Michaela Purdue, player of the week for the Horizon League. Puts Green Bay in a half game back as that was their only game of the week last week. Assuming, you know, there's a, a decent likelihood they do win both this weekend uh, would put them in position to be either in first place alone again or or tied. Because I believe Cleveland only has one game this weekend. Mm-hmm. No, I take that back. They have two as well. Um, they're actually playing right now and they'll have. Yeah, no, so they do only have one game this week. So they do, the Green Bay is in position to take that lead back. Or at least be tied if worse comes to worst. Uh, Cleveland State will not play again until next Thursday. So they're currently up 35-25 on Wright State. Currently, for the Horizon League's purposes and not for Green Bay's sake, right now, according to Bracketology, Charlie Cream. Of ESPN has Cleveland State as the automatic qualifier as a 13 seed Green Bay and as an at-large bid with the last buy at the 10 seed. The 7-10 matchup. Mm-hmm. So kind of a best case scenario for the Horizon League would be get two teams in. That's always great when you can do that as a mid-major. Right. I would love it to be the other way around if Cleveland State could figure a way to go get an at-large bid and Green Bay gets the automatic qualifier. Just because I don't like worrying on Selection Monday or Selection Sunday. Now I can't remember what the women, if they've changed it from Selection Monday to Selection Sunday. Either I way. I think it's Monday yet, so. Either way, I I just prefer if they can be that automatic. So I know that their name's going to come up instead of waiting it out, but... Well, you look at the you look at their upcoming schedule. They have their next five games. Phoenix Ladies are against the bottom five teams in the Horizon League. Yeah, you take care of business, and Cleveland State just has to slip up one time. You're looking good. Yeah, I mean you the might rest. You don't even have to worry about an at-large bid. The rest of the schedule, they've got, they've got, what seven more games? Eight more games? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven more regular season games. 
mm-hmm. they will play two teams with winning records in that mm-hmm. that stretch. Um, and that being the last two against Detroit Mercy and Purdue Fort Wayne before the conference tournament. Mm-hmm. Being the one seed, you get your conference site game at home. You have to win one game. You're in the semifinals going to Indianapolis. Definitely a great spot to be. I think the, I believe the two seed has the same advantage. They, you know, the top two teams get that. Yeah, they both into have the quarterfinal. Yep. So definitely a positive in that capacity. I guess, you know, either one doesn't matter. Uh, Horizon League, does, you know, as every conference does, has that automatic qualifier based on the tournament. Yep. Not the regular season standings, but be in a great position to go in and win two games and be in that spot to play for a conference championship, conference tournament championship. Right. I'm thinking at this point, we probably have that large bid secured. Um, the only thing that would prevent that would be an epic meltdown. Right. And I, I don't, I just, I don't see that happening. Right. So I, I think, I think they are pretty, pretty solid on making it to the tournament. It's just, what? Well, how are we going to get there? Is it going to be a large bid or are we going to get that automatic qualifier? Right. We will see. I think, you know, they, they have just as good of a chance as anyone is winning of winning the, uh, winning the Horizon League tournament. But, you know, they win out. Let's say they don't get the one seed. Cleveland wins out too, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And we end up playing them in the conference championship for the, in the tournament. And even if they lose, I'm still thinking that we have it set. I th- I, I, I'm confident that they're going to get into the tournament regardless. I'm relatively confident as well. Like I said, it would take a massive catastrophe to probably not be in. Mm-hmm. However, until it happens, uh, like I said, unless without that automatic qualifier, you just kind of you sweat it out a little bit, depending mm-hmm. on how other teams, if they make a run towards this, towards their uh, non-conference uh, or mm-hmm. in their conference tournament. Some teams on the kind of on the bubble watch make that run or you know anything to that effect. You kind of start like, oh, mm-hmm. now you're sweating a little bit, but. I, I don't foresee that happening, but that's why they play the game. We'll see. That's right. That's why they play them. All right, Dylan. A couple more things just to wrap through here. We look at the Wisconsin Badgers football team, and nothing of major note happening. However, there is rumors floating around out there today that former NFL coach Mike Vrabel will be mm-hmm. around the Wisconsin Badgers next season. We don't know if it'll officially be a coaching role. I, I'm led to believe it probably wouldn't be. However, there is some mock-ups of that happening. And again, Coach Luke Fickle talking about that as a possibility where where Vrabel will be in the building. That would be interesting. Um, I don't know if you saw this story over the weekend, but 
It was so odd. So Mike Vrabel reportedly did not get NFL coaching jobs because of his large stature, intimidating NFL GMs. That was the story that came out this weekend. It seems odd. It definitely does seem odd. Um, And Luke Fickle, who was a college teammate and roommate of Mike Vrabel and a former assistant coach under Coach Vrabel, Mm -hmm. uh, said today to the media that he expects Vrabel to be around the team in some capacity. What, What that will be is yet to be determined. Um, just taking a look through the article here. I don't know if Fickle gives an exact. Yeah, it doesn't look like he gives an exact quote, but uh, definitely part of the plans. That'd be interesting. That would be very interesting. Yeah, very exciting. Um, a guy with NFL connections and one of the better defensive minds out there in both any level of football for that matter. So quote that came from fickle today quote, but I know that we're going to have a visitor he- hope are here. That's going to spend a little bit of time, hopefully around us starting coming in the spring and some things like that and see how deep we can get him involved. Uh, know my buddy and getting him around here. So both of them, again, teammates, roommates at Ohio State, and coached together as well. So that cool. is Badger football story, which really leads us to just the Green Bay Packers for the week, Dylan. And not really a whole lot. I mean, we've gotten some some news on some of the different assistant coaching options. Very exciting in that capacity. Uh trying to see if I can get the names here of who's all agreed to come on board with coach Jeff Halfley, who we talked about at a pretty good length last week. But just a moment. While I pull that up, do you got to make mention that news broke within the last few days here that officially the Packers process for finding a new CEO of the Packers mm. has officially started um, as the Packers board of directors does mandate retirement at age 70. And with that in mind, uh, age 70 would put Mark Murphy just past the NFL draft and looking to see who is going to replace him. One of the things, I mean, I, I know we crap on Mark Murphy a lot. Um, <laughs> you know, the internet loves going after him, especially for, especially for the sledding hill and all that. But when you look at everything he's done and kind of common commanded as the head man of green Bay, you look at a guy who commanded the, Transition from Favre to Rodgers. Took the team to a Super Bowl, built up the Titletown District from nothing except retail space that was sitting empty. Made it a whole entertainment area. Mm-hmm. Made everything in that whole area as well. Um, 
suitable for the NFL draft. Landed the NFL draft in Green Bay, Wisconsin, which has also brought in hotels being built like crazy. Oh, God, yeah. And everything that's kind of come from that. And, of course, you look at a Super Bowl title as well. And then a second transition from star quarterback Aaron Rodgers to now Jordan Love. Mm -hmm. So absolutely legendary time with the Packers that he has done. Uh, Definitely deserves commending him on that. But searches on for a new CEO of the organization. I'd like to put my name out there <laughs> as someone who has played a lot of Madden franchise mode. Um, I am prepared for this. I have worked on parking prices, concession prices, merchandise prices, alternate jersey design, and of course, undefeated teams. I don't lose. No, we don't lose. No, that's playing on rookie mode. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't know if the NFL has the option for me to restart if I'm losing, like PlayStation does, but. If you got enough money, maybe. <laughs> um, so, the, I mean, there's a whole bunch of corporate jargon with it of, of who's going to be on the board to, to help decide options. I wish I had a, a clear picture of, of who it's going to be. I don't. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Um. But definitely a story worth keeping track of. Still looking to see if I can track down the defensive coaching staff because the names that made this list up is nothing short. So they did hire, according yesterday to Rob Domovsky, hired former Chargers defensive coordinator Derek Ansley to be passing coordinator. Um Trying to find some of the other names. They did go and grab former Packers or former Rams Vikings Seahawk quarterback uh, Sean Mannion to work on the Packers coaching staff. Um, Anthony Campanelle, former Dolphins linebacker coach who had interviewed for several defensive coordinator jobs, is coming mm-hmm. into Green Bay as the inside linebacker coach. So plenty of names out there that this is going to be just a reloaded coaching staff with the Packers. And nothing short of exciting, especially as we start to get into mock draft season. Mm-hmm. And Dylan, I know you're laughing along here as <laughs> our group chat that we have for the podcast team has been taken over a little bit with mock draft mode. It has. And... There's a conversation for and it's a one sided conversation because I'm here. Justin is not. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have this conversation, you and me. Because <laughs> OK, Justin's not here and he's not here to defend himself. That's his father. I produce the show. So it is what it is. He can deal with it. He can listen along like everybody else. Mock drafts are just they're on paper, right? Like they don't mean anything. Um, mm-hmm. you look back in April and be like, hey, I got this one right. Hey, I wasn't even close to this one. Because there's, for the Packers' sake, there's 24 teams picking before them that you technically have no idea what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. So you're at the mercy of 24 decisions about players, personnel, matchmaking, things like that, that you have absolutely zero control over. 
Um, Packers do have capital to possibly move up. I don't foresee that happening, but they do have the capital to do so or capital to acquire an NFL veteran player or some of those draft picks as well. So Dylan, as someone who is not, you know, super mock draft based and, and kind of watches the NFL on a surface level as well. Correct. What do you think? First of all, I'm going to ask you, what do you think the Packers biggest needs in this draft are? If they were to keep all 11 picks, I think you are going to want to hit both, excuse me, both sides of the line pretty hard. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, Giving Jordan love time in the pocket is going to be important. Clearing a path for Aaron Jones and potentially AJ Dillon and potentially another running bra- running back that we pick up in the draft um, is going to be important. Um, I'm hitting the O-line hard. Um, I'm looking at running backs. Um, Aaron Jones is getting, is getting up there in age for a running back. You're going to have to think about him in the next year or two having a solid replacement for him. So I'm, I'm going to start looking there. I'm going to look at safeties. You know, obviously we traded Sewell Douglas away. So we're going to want to find a suitable replacement for him. If we can't find, if we can't find one, that's already in the league, of course. Um, I think those are your immediate needs. Okay. You, you, okay. you might dabble looking at a kicker, but I don't think that's as important in the draft. You can always find one that's on a practice squad or that isn't re-signing with their team. Um, so let me ask you this question, Dylan, for conversation's sake. Okay. What positions do you feel the Packers are the most set at and do not need to draft a player <laughs> at? I'm being set up, and that's okay. Um, you are very much being set up. This yes, is I know. what we call a tease. Yes. I don't think you need to even look at quarterbacks. Unless like one of the best of the best somehow drops to 25. You obviously have your, your guy in Jordan Love. He's your starter. Mm-hmm. I think Clifford is a solid backup. Mm-hmm. But if you're really looking for a backup QB, which you are at this point, I don't think you're actively looking to replace Jordan Love. You're better off looking at somebody who's already in the league as you know a backup who wants to get a change of scenery or some guy off the practice squad. Um, I don't think in the position that we're in, you need to use, spend a pick on on a quarterback. That's very interesting that you say that. And uh, (laughs) I I could not agree more. That's not, that's not what I've observed in the group chat. Not that's not judging or not forcing me one way or the other. That's my honest opinion. No, I would never, I would never force you one way or another. No, I wanted your absolute honest opinion. That is my absolute honest opinion. (laughs) I cannot agree more. Um, if you know, looking at what the Packers have done with this defensive staff, the 
overwhelming belief is that the defense is going to switch to a 4-3 or a 4-2-5 nickel uh, defense as the base defense, which I've said, you know, we've said on this show, we've said multiple times, you don't really play a base anymore. You don't really play a 3-4 or 4-3 base anymore. You're, the NFL has gone to the way of basically having a nickel be your permanent base and playing five DBs. Mm-hmm. I think the Brewer or the Packers have just been really on the Brewers lately. Um, definitely safety and corner as I don't foresee them wanting to bring back Darnell Savage. Obviously the trade for cornerback Rasul Douglas, like you had mentioned, um, who also played safety at times as well. So you definitely need to hit that area hard. Mm-hmm. I also could foresee going to look at uh, some inline, inside linebackers, even though you have some per, you have your depth set there with Devondre Campbell and Quay Walker. Uh, you're basically looking to get depth there. I could see some later round picks there. Mm-hmm. I agree with you on the defensive and offensive line. I'd probably like to grab at least one tackle and a guard. So mm-hmm. would like to build some more depth there, maybe two or three offensive linemen total. One or two defensive linemen. Really hammer your secondary. Offensively, I think you're relatively set. You don't really need a tight end unless Brock Bauer slips to you at 25, which I don't foresee happening. Um at mm-hmm. which point you're almost using him more of a receiver anyway. He'll be drafted as a tight end, but he isn't, you know, he he can play wide receiver at the NFL level. Running back, I think you would like to grab one, maybe two, depending on what you do with AJ Dillon. Um I'm gonna be honest, and I I, I every mock draft I do, there's two players I keep coming back to every mm-hmm. single mock draft that I've you know, every every person who does mock drafts has a draft crush or one or two. My draft crushes Cameron Kinchins from Miami, safety from Miami, and Blake Corum, running back from Michigan, who I believe would both be incredible fits in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. And then the positions I don't see any need to draft. I don't think you need a wide receiver at all. Maybe a depth one late if you feel like you must. And I do not foresee any single reason to draft a quarterback anywhere in this draft. That is not a unanimous decision in our group chat. Correct. It's not. Um, which I, I feel bad for the guys in our group chat and for Shauna because I have hammered Justin in every single mock draft he does has picked a, at least one quarterback in the seventh round. And it honestly is driving me insane. And I think he's just doing it to mess with me at this point <laughs> mm-hmm. and have and have conversation. I, I think he gets bored. I think he misses us. I'm, that's my official theory. I think he really he's a busy guy. He's got the coaching thing. He's at the parenting thing. Also has a new house that's relatively new for him and in the family. But I think he misses us and I think he likes the conversation. So that is my my predict like I said, I think he's I think he's just messing with us and trolling. Mm-hmm. But I, I cannot 
foresee a circumstance in which you're looking to grab a quarterback even in the seventh round. They just there's no there's no need for it. You look at what you have. Jordan Love is clearly your guy. You're more than likely going to be extending him this offseason mm-hmm. in the upcoming weeks. Sean Clifford has proved very valuable as a fifth round pick. And has proved serviceable in moments he's had. We look at the Minnesota game. Very serviceable guy. He's a guy that was Mm -hmm. a proven winner at Penn State, which I think cannot go understated enough. I mean, you look at successful backups. You're looking at your older guys. You're looking at a guy like Matt Flynn, Mm -hmm. who, not a starter, great backup. National champion at at LSU, Matt Flynn. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously... Penn State did not get to that level with Sean Clifford, but perennial candidate in the Big Ten, again, proven winner, knows how to win at those levels, can sling the rock when needs to, very athletic, can take, you know, pull it down and run if need be as well. So, again, I, I don't foresee a need at all. No, I, I don't. But, again, not a unanimous decision, so... Um, nope. we'll have more mock draft coverage as we go along the way. And Dylan, sure we'll hear about it. That is pretty much a wrap here on the show, unless something breaks here within the next couple of minutes. But I uh, do want to start off with a bar of the week. I've got this one. So we're going to start off a little bit backwards. Well, actually, we kind of, I think we usually have to do it this way anyway. But our bar of the week is, I believe, a strictly... Uh, just a bar. I don't believe it has a, a food menu. Uh, we stopped at old number seven in De Pere, just off the highway 41 in De Pere over the weekend. And cheap drink prices, a very relaxed op- atmosphere. Um, they had pool going on, a bunch of people playing darts. We were sitting in the back, chit-chatting about other stuff. Um, they had some snacks available as well. I believe they do have a pizza maker as well, like a lot of bars do. Mm-hmm. But just a very chill atmosphere. It felt like you were in somebody's basement. And that's a good thing, I think. Hmm. Uh, they had the touch tunes going. So options to play your own music. 4.3 stars on Google. Definitely worth a stop if you're looking for decent drink prices here in Green Bay. And just an atmosphere to kind of relax. Have a drink or two. Mm-hmm. Chit chat with your friends right off the highway into Pier, Wisconsin. Mm, sounds nice. So that is our bar of the week, which simply leads us to what we are rooting for in the upcoming week. And I will lead, hand it off to you. I am really rooting for the Phoenix ladies to bounce back after their loss. I'm looking forward to seeing the Badgers pick up this win against uh, Michigan, which I really, really hope they do. And bounce back after dropping two in a row. Um, just rooting for Wisconsin basketball teams at this point. It's really the only sport that I'm interested in right at this point of the year. So um, hopefully we can we can bounce back from the from the weekend of losses and turn this one into a weekend of Ws. I'm going to echo your sentiment on Green Bay and. The Badgers also add in the Badger or the Green Bay Phoenix men as well. 
Hope they can continue their winning ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to give another shout out here to Drew Doust as he approaches 2,000 points with Southern Door on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I'm just kind of hoping that the Brewers start to make some degree of sense. There is a so there's a window for them to make some moves yet. Uh, Gary Sanchez, like we said earlier in the show, uh, is the most recent move. I would love to see. I would love to be sitting here next week when we talk and seeing if anybody else joins us with some direction of what the hell is going on with this team. I doubt that happens in the next seven days or six days when it ends up being. Mm-hmm. But that is what I'm rooting for besides basketball. And also for Justin Reach. to stop drafting quarterbacks in their mind. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. You'll hear about that one. You'll hear about that one. For Sean, Shauna, Justin, Ramsey not here. That's Dylan. I'm Eric. Episode 143 is in the books. We're out. See ya. See ya.